Today's broadcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash film with over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. There are a ton of audiobooks for you to choose from that we know that you will absolutely love. Again, for your free audiobook and 30-day free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash film. And thanks so much for supporting the Incession Film Podcast. Welcome to the Incession Film Podcast for September 14th, 2014. This is episode 82, and I'm J.D. Duran. And I am Blake Pertuzit. Blake, welcome back to the show. I know you've been out the last couple weeks. No guests. Just going to be you and I holding down the fort once again. But man, glad to have you back. Well, it's always fun, and it's nice to be back here. You know, life happens sometimes here, but Mm -hmm. it's good to be back. It's nice to break back into things slowly with just you and I. It's going to be a lot of fun here, uh, as always, um, because that's just how it happens. That's just what happens here. (laughs) That's that's how this works. That is how this works. I'm here to have a good time and talk about (laughs) this, so let's just do this. How How was your week? My week was pretty good. Uh, had a lot going on. Uh, before I get to that, though, mm-hmm. for this week's show, speaking of, mm. uh, this is going to be really fun. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite actors in the entire planet right now, and that's Tom Hardy. And he's in a new movie called The Drop with James Gandolfini, uh, which we're going to be discussing and bouncing off of that for our top three this week. We're going to be talking about our top three Tom Hardy slash James Gandolfini performances. I think there's a lot of great stuff there to cover. And then we're going to have a third segment this week where we're going to talk about uh, some of the latest happenings that happened at the Toronto International Film Festival that happened over the last week or so. A lot of fun news coming out of there. And sort of to go along with that, a couple weeks ago, Blake, you weren't here, but we talked Mm. about our top three fall films that we're looking forward to. And to kind of go along with TIFF, uh, since there's a, it showcased a lot of the fall films that's coming out this right. year, uh, it'll kind of give you a platform to kind of jump in there and talk about some of the stuff that you're looking forward oh, to. Oh, boy. Well. You know, the last thing I need is a soapbox. <laughs> well, it'll be a fun discussion. And I can't right. wait to hear what you have. So I'm sure. looking forward to that. Uh, and then, of course, we'll finish off the show as usual with films we got to see over the last week. Uh, before we get into that, though, I guess I'll ask you first, how was your weekend? Oh, I jumped the gun with that one there. Mine was crazy again here. I luckily had time this weekend to get back over here. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's been rough lately here. Uh, a lot of busy stuff going on with work. That's sure. pretty much all I've had time for. So uh, nothing too exciting on this end of things here. But, you know, uh, it's football season, so it is. I'm excited about that. Yeah, so your Bengals had a big win today. I'm happy about that. How'd your Lions do? Oh, wait Not so good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, see, about that. Okay, so it was so funny because last week on the show, mm-hmm. I was like, well, my Lions, I'm sure, will come out Monday night. We'll probably lose uh, in front of national audiences. Right. And they looked really good. And they looked really good. And then today, the real Detroit Lions that I know and love exactly. <laughs> showed up today. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, so there you have it. Uh, also, last week on the show, I announced that my wife and I, we got a brand new dog, mm-hmm. uh, which was awesome. And if you listen to our latest extra film segment, I talked about some of the craziness of, of the week that we had. But 
uh, I came home Monday from work and he had chewed up DVDs and uh, blinds and all kinds of see, stuff. This see, these are things you learn when you yeah. get a dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but despite that, that was the stuff that he kind of destroyed there was, was mostly little stuff. Mm-hmm. The real big incident that he had was it was Friday. And I was getting ready for a party that night, and he ran out of the apartment. And I had to chase him all over oh. the neighborhood for like 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. And that was quite the adventure because I'm out of shape. He is very much in shape. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. And he just wanted to prove it to you. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> just throwing it back in my face. I have been there before. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, but uh, before we get into the show, I just want to say a quick thank you to Justin Palazzi from the simplistic reviews podcast for leaving us an awesome review on itunes thank you very much justin for doing that we really appreciate it uh, and also just want to plug uh, speaking of our latest extra film uh, we discussed a new movie called startup starring jack o'connell and ben mendelson terrific terrific film i really enjoyed it quite a bit and i had a great discussion with matt oaks from silver screen right uh, so definitely go and check that out so let's talk about tom hardy and the drop let's get into it here we go. listening to the Insertion Film Podcast. This is episode 82. Blake, I had something once. I was respected. I was feared. No, no. What you had was bad clams. Well, I'm not the guy that wasted his entire life waiting for it to start. Why did that? Mm-hmm. At least I had something once. I was respected. I was feared. When I walked into a place people sat up, they, they sat up straight. They noticed What'd you ever have? A bar stool that you put that old bitty at and bought her free drinks and don't think I don't know that you did it on purpose. That was my stool and nobody sat on that stool because it was Cousin Marv's stool. And that meant something. That meant something. But he didn't. Ever. It was just a stool. All right, The Drop is directed by Michael Roskam and stars Tom Hardy, James Gandolfini, and a few other people that we will get into. Blake, I'll toss it to you first, man. What did you think about Tom Hardy, James Gandolfini, The Drop? What did you think? Well, I uh, actually liked it pretty well. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I had no idea about any of it before we decided that we were doing it this week here. I, it's, it was totally somehow off my radar. 
Uh, mm. But when you hear Tom Hardy and James Gandolfini in the same sentence, then you know, certainly your interest has to get peaked at that point. Sure. Uh, a few other little you know bit players there. Numi Rapace was was decent in her role as well. I was only every once in a while slightly taking out of it. I wasn't really buying uh, Tom Hardy's accent so much in it, but his performance overall still helped carry it through. And I, I sure. like that. That it was sort of a, a, a slow cooker most of the film there. I mean, I could I could tell there was a big you know twist involved with the, with it, but it wasn't like they did it just for the sake of doing it. Um, you sure, know, it, it got to there at the right time, and everything seemed to happen naturally. And and I liked the way that the the exposition was throughout the film. Um, overall performances were really good. Gandolfini I thought was was great. He kept he actually I, I wanted more yeah, of him. Sure, um, as I'm a big big fan of his. So that overall, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I think one of the first things that you're going to notice about this movie that you were talking about is the fact that it is slow and it is very subtle. But at the same time, I also think it's very thrilling, and there's a really interesting mystery element surrounding the film as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And I thought that brought great tension throughout the film. It's, it's really well shot, uh, almost has a neo-noir kind of feel to it. Uh, and I thought the atmosphere was very believable. I was really buying into all of that. Uh, the story itself is pretty interesting as it surrounds this bar in New York. And the film kind of sets up that there are several bars that are quote-unquote drop places for the mob to kind of drop off their money Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of help keep the flow of that organized. And the bar that James Gandolfini owns, that Tom Hardy is the bartender of, happens to be one of those. And so that kind of carries or or works as the vehicle to kind of serve the story forward. And uh, at some point during uh, the first act of the film, it is robbed, and that kind of essentially uh, sets the story in motion. And I thought the story was okay. Uh, I think it was a a little interesting, as I said, but I do think the characters seem a little contrived uh, to kind of push the story forward uh, while kind of keeping its mystery. Uh, Tom Hardy kind of plays the straight man, I think, in this story. Yeah. And what I noticed was everyone's reactions around him seemed a little forced to me to kind of keep that mystery there on the surface. And so some of that felt unnatural to me. And I think I do, I do agree with you though, that the performances are solid, especially from Tom Hardy and James Gandolfini. But I just feel like some of the characters written around the story was mostly serving a purpose of the mystery and not necessarily the natural elements happening around the film, I think. Yeah, it seems like there are some scenes where Tom Hardy's character, Bob, seems a bit too soft-spoken and a a bit too quiet that you don't... It seems like they're doing it on purpose at some point there. Sure. Like, you know, uh, it feels a little unnatural, but for the most part, like, like you said, some of the reactions around him and some of the, the ways that other story parts come into it seem a bit forced at some points. And then it kind of makes sense later on, you know, well, this had to happen before this happened. But there's still, there's sure. a fair amount of mystery. You kind of wonder why certain characters are being introduced and why they focus on uh, some other, you know, small parts as much as they do. Um, but of course, you know, it all comes together pretty well at the end. I, I was, you know, yeah, I, I didn't totally sure. see it coming, but it, it was. Uh, I like the way that it, it all, you know, sort of crystallized towards the end of the film. No, I completely agree with you. I do think that while there is kind of this overall mystery element as far as uh, the drop and who's after these guys, there is that part of it. But there is also a mystery element surrounding 
the Bob character, which is Tom Hardy's character in this film. Because uh, you're right, because he is kind of soft-spoken. He's quiet. You also kind of get a sense that there's a past to this guy that we're not really quite sure of, right? Uh, which I found kind of interesting. So he is kind of clouded in mystery himself. But there is kind of one scene that kind of breaks that open a little bit. And I don't want to give it away, but essentially it, it's a scene in the bar when they're closed. Mm-hmm. And Tom Hardy is... Uh, he's wrapping something in like saran wrap and tinfoil and things like that. And Gandolfini's dialogue there is like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, Uh, That's pretty much all I can say without giving it away. But (laughs) at that point, you realize, okay, there's something more to this Bob character than what we've seen so far. And that kind of breaks it open a little bit. And as the film goes on, they do kind of play into that a little bit. And then in those final sequences, as you were talking about, when everything is kind of coming together, the way that it crystallizes, uh, when the turn happens, it it felt believable. uh, And also at the same time, I think it fit the mold of the way they were building that character up really well. Right. And what I will say is I do like that at the point when you feel like it's going to introduce an unnecessary romantic aspect to the film and kind of muddle everything up, they go away from that. Um, They don't do what you expect. And I kind of appreciated that because it would have just been too easy to go that route with it. Yeah. Um, It definitely plays into it later on. Uh, but it would have taken away from the real focus of the film at that point. I'm kind of happy that they they didn't go the easy way with it. I, I I know when we're talking about a film that comes from someone who did the screenplays for films like Gone Baby Gone and Mystic River, that we're going to have something along those lines. Sure. So that's definitely knows you know when you're going into it that that's sure gonna be some aspects like that. It's going to be entertaining. No, I completely agree. And you know one of the things you did bring up was the romantic angle of it, but I'd feel like the romantic angle of it, it again, it's not very stereotypical mm-hmm. in the way that its tropes are played. And I also love that it's kind of surrounded by this puppy dog, yeah, uh, which is kind of interesting because Bob is just walking down the street after closing the bar one night and he finds uh, this really beaten down puppy dog in this trash can in front of this woman's house and him and this woman, uh, Nadia, they clean it up and they discuss about how to treat the dog going forward. Who's going to take care of it. And eventually Bob kind of undertakes this dog and he has no idea what to do as far as ownership of a dog, right. which is kind of intriguing. You're a dog owner. I'm a new dog owner. I thought it was kind of disgusted be, about it. I thought it would kind of really speak to you this yeah. week. Yeah, it was really funny because as soon as Bob is, when it's introduced that he's going to take care of it, his first reaction is, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, I will say like the first scene, like when it makes a mess on the carpool, whatever I thought about yeah. you, when he's like got gloves yeah. and everything, like scrubbing it up. I'm like, that's yeah. JD right now. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so that was quite interesting. And another thing to go along with that is he ends up naming the dog Rocco. Mm-hmm. Well, the dog that I had growing up, his name was Rocco. Oh. So it was very engaging to me on two different fronts, the dog I had growing up and the dog that I have now. So I found that really compelling and interesting to me right. for whatever reason. So, so. this one was named after a Catholic saint, though. <laughs> yes. Well, not, the reason not after yeah. like Rocco's modern life. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Not quite. Not quite the anyway, same. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but funny. I did find that pretty interesting, and I love how Bob kind of his reaction to getting this new puppy dog. He thinks of it as this huge responsibility, and it kind of plays into like him as a person anyway. Cause I think when mm-hmm. we see him at the bar, he treats that as this huge responsibility and some of the stuff in his life, while he is quiet and reserved, 
at the same time, he just goes about doing what he needs to do, and he's just trying to stay out of trouble in the middle of it. Right. And, and so, and you know, when you own a dog, sometimes you're going to find yourself in you know troubling situations, as mm-hmm. I did when my dog ran out of the apartment yep. last week. And so, I love the parallel that is played there and his reaction to it. And James Gandolfini, his character's reaction to it is also quite quite funny because it's a juxtaposition where he's just saying, "It's just a dog, right? You can handle it, right? Right, Blake? You can handle that." Yeah. Well, and you know what's kind of interesting at that part there, and I didn't really think about it until kind of just lately here, but he refers to that. He's like, well, it's not like you've got this relative that shows up in your door in a wheelchair and a colostomy yeah, bag and says, you're, sure. you're my responsibility now. You know, you got to take care of me. When you know, you find out later in the film, that's something he's actually dealing with. He's got, you know, a family member. I think it's his father they're talking about that's overseas. Yes. You know, you know, retirement home or whatever, sure. and they're running out of money with all that kind of stuff. So he does have this responsibility. So it's kind very, of funny how I put that. Yeah. I put that into context there. And, and it really does depend on your perception of it, I right. guess, because while what James Gandolfini's character is going through is a very serious situation, and that responsibility is a huge one, mm-hmm. you know, to someone like Bob and the way that he's living his life, having a dog inject something really big into his life at the same time, that is a huge responsibility oh, yeah. to him. And while it's not the same thing, you know, he has a life that's now in his hands that he know that he has to take care of he has to do something about it and it affects a lot of the decisions he makes he creates a huge bond with this puppy dog Mm -hmm. and so while that can be underplayed by people like james gandolfini did in this film at the same time to other people it is a huge deal and so i loved the way they interjected that into the story felt yeah pretty natural to me Uh, like i said some of the reactions with some of the other characters that we haven't gotten to talk about uh, some of that felt a little forced and contrived, but I think for the most part, it interweaved itself into the story really well. Yep, I, I agree with that. Uh, there's I mean, not a whole lot more to add to it, but I, I definitely agree the way that you know it, it's all perception to different people. You know, the way they're like you said, sure. the way he's living his life, it, it is a huge, uh, big change to him. Yeah. So and you know he takes that on you know with with full responsibility in the film. You know, when sure that comes into play later on with other characters. So yeah, I I think another element to that, and we can kind of move on from the dog aspect right. specifically, but there are themes, I think, underplayed with all the storylines in the film, not just the dog ones, of good versus evil. Mm-hmm. And we see that specifically with Tom Hardy's character and the way that he's playing these different situations. And I think that theme of good versus evil is played into his relationship with James Gandolfini's character and the stuff that's happening on the side that he sort of aware of and sort of unaware of. There's the guy that is attacking him because he now owns this dog. uh, And there's also just the main plot storyline with the mob wanting their money back. Well, you know, it's, it's not necessarily just good versus evil, but it's good versus evil. And you know, what is, what is justifiable evil? Sure. You know, what might be evil, but needs to be done at the same time here to make things right. So I would agree. There's a lot of gray area that it brings into it as well. You can have to think about, and that plays on a few characters too. Um, you know, uh, so I, I think that that was really well done as far as having you know multiple angles sure. there and really decide you know what what really matters to you. Yeah, and it is kind of, I, in my opinion, I think it is a core defining thing of the Bob character because he is a Catholic going person. You know, you kind of mentioned where he got the name Rocco from, 
from with yeah, right. him being Catholic. And so that is something of, of the way that he sees things. And there's a monologue near the end of the film where he's talking about sin and how God views it and our separation yeah. uh, that it, it brings from us from God. Uh, and I think how that plays into this specific story and, and the way that he looks at good versus evil, mm-hmm. especially when that final sequence happens. And again, it's really hard to talk about without getting into spoilers, but right. I think that also plays huge dividends into that theme as well, especially with Bob's dialogue there and what he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it fit that mold really well. Yeah. Uh, I, I can, again, I can only agree with, with that statement there. I mean, it's it's a whole lot of you know gray area involved, and he sure. has to do a lot of thinking about that, it seems. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think that it was... It, it, there's just a lot to think about. Actually, it's it's deeper than it looks. It is. Um, yeah. You know, it kind of portrays itself as just this crime drama, more of a localized crime drama. But you know, that's really just what's on the surface because there's yeah. not as much of it that focuses sure. on you know finding out you know the the crime part of who robbed the bar, what all that kind of stuff. There, there's a lot more. There's more to it than stuff. that. Yeah. yeah, and it's hard because we're trying to dance around it and yeah. without talking about spoilers. You know, because I do think that the good versus evil part that is pretty interesting and it does play into it well and. It, that final sequence, I I just want to say, hey, this yeah. is what I'm trying to talk yeah, about. Right. <laughs> it's good. It's we got to be a little there. bit more careful about that. So. Yeah, because I don't want to give it away because when it does happen, and once you see the film, if you haven't seen it, it'll make complete sense. But uh, I do think that the way that that is handled is pretty compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one thing I want to ask you, too, before we move into final thoughts, you know, we are talking our top three Tom Hardy performances and James Gandolfini. We haven't touched on Gandolfini as much other than his character and how it plays in the story a little bit, but what did you think specifically about James Gandolfini? Phoenix performance here. I, I thought it was really, really well done. I thought that he kind of hid some of his motives throughout most of the film there. I mean, eventually sort of becoming more apparent, um, you know, what some of the overall reactions were going to be and, and, and actions that took place on there. But it didn't, it didn't totally telegraph itself here, but he plays that so well. I mean, if you've seen a lot of his other stuff, it seemed almost like it was just, you know, like nothing for him to play this role. Sure. You know, it seemed so natural to him. Um, but I, I thought he did really well in one of his you know final performances. No, I I, compl- I, I really I, I would have loved to see more of him, but I thought for sure. what was there was was really well done. No, I completely agree. I think you're right. It, he he's very impressive here, and he does use his presence and his expertise in here to feel very natural. That's exactly what I had written in my notes. So I echo your sentiment a hundred percent, and I agree with you. He's not in the film a ton, but I feel like when he's there, you definitely feel his presence and. A lot of his dialogue does hit home in some pretty good ways, and especially the way that it affects Bob, I think, is is pretty great. So I do think that their on-screen chemistry was was pretty good here. So, All right, well, any other final thoughts, and what grade would you give the drop? Well, uh, going into it not knowing anything about it, I was really surprised at it here. Um, it wasn't as jaw-dropping as I might have expected or as completely engaging as I might have thought at first, uh, you know, listening to whatever it's coming from, who had to do with writing it and the actors involved there. But it was a solid B for me. Yeah, I'm right there in the same neighborhood as you. I do think that the story is a little convoluted in places. I don't think that it's as robust as its characters and the performances here. Uh, but at the same time, I, it was still engaging. It was good enough for me to still have a good time with this film. Uh, but the performances are the thing that's going to shine here. Tom Hardy is fantastic. He's subtle in his performance. He's never over the top. I think he plays into his character really, really well. And I love James Gandolfini, too, as, as we just talked about. And, and their chemistry together was, was really fantastic. Um, I also think it's kind of interesting that they play into this idea 
uh, that people will take credit for things that they don't do, uh, whether you're trying to do that to justify actions or yeah. amplify a story when you're trying to tell it to other people, whatever it is, it's kind of this human tendency that's been played out before. And again, I have to dance around that a little bit too without giving spoilers away, but I thought that was kind of an intriguing thing of the film. But uh, I really love the crystallization. Those last sequences of the film are great. Uh, I love how the dog played a big part of that as well. And I love how the romantic angle, it went in a, in a direction that, it wasn't ever too much. It, it never really distracted me from the film. And it also wasn't like this stereotypical uh, ending either at the same time. So right. I thought all of that actually played really well. I thought the direction was pretty decent. So uh, for me, I would give the film a B or B plus. Um, that's kind of the range that I'm in. So fair uh, enough. Anyway, be sure to go and check out a full review of this. We will have on our website soon. And you can go and check that out on our site at incessionfilm.com. All right, well, if you agree or disagree with our takes, let us know by leaving us a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash incessionfilm or tweet us at incessionfilm. Leave us a comment on Google Plus or Letterboxd. Usernames on both of those are incessionfilm. And, of course, you can always email us at incessionfilm at gmail.com. All right, the Incession Film Top 3 is next, and we'll be discussing our top three Tom Hardy slash James Gandolfini performances. Now, now, Mr. Duran, aren't going to start up that silliness again, are we? We'll discuss them all next. We'll be right back. what we should drop by and say hello to the first time watchers guys i see what you did there you're right though they are a great supporter of our show and they are definitely a podcast you need to check out it's hosted by tim walter and hermano and they definitely know their movies absolutely these guys' banter is amazing it's very entertaining it's very solid very much like a tom hardy performance blake yes very solid like you when they announce a new transformers movie <laughs> What's unique is that every week they've got a movie they've never seen before. They watch it. They discuss it on their show as well as other movies and trailers they've seen recently. And they do a fantastic job at it. The show is very fluid. It's easy to listen to. And they have a ton of fun on their show. It's great listening despite them making fun of me a lot. But, Blake, where can you find these guys on the Internet? Well, you can find them. Uh, well, you go to my Facebook page and you'll see that I like them because they make fun of you so much. That's why we get along so well. <laughs> But seriously, those are a couple ways you can find yeah. them out here. Go and check them out. Their website at firsttimewatchers.blogspot.com. Also on Twitter at firsttimewatchers. And on Facebook, just search First Time Watchers. It's that simple. Absolutely. Definitely go subscribe to them on iTunes as well and leave them a review and let them know that we sent you to them. We promise this podcast is absolutely worth your time. And again, go check them out. That's First Time Watchers. 
You're listening to the Inception Film Podcast. This is episode 82. And now we're going to be talking about our top three Tom Hardy or James Gandolfini performances. Blake, before we get into it, did you have any specific criteria that you used to pick your list this week? Not particularly. I just I, I did because uh, I wasn't sure I combined this. It's uh, you know Tom Hardy and Gandolfini together, not three of each. Yeah, yeah. It was so, c- combined was what I was thinking. Okay, yes. well that's good. Well, I knew it was just us here, so I wasn't sure if we're supposed to be a top six this time. But <laughs> no, no, only three particular films I'm here to discuss. Yeah, very nice. Uh, I think for me, when it comes to my top three, there is a couple that I have to mention up front that I cannot include. So oh, okay. if you've listened to the show, you know that I've talked about the movie Warrior quite a bit. Quite so a bit. Tim from First Time Watchers, you're going to love this, uh, but I am excluding Warrior from my list because it would be an easy number one. I would talk about how much I love that film and I love him in it. It's a fantastic film, but I because I've talked about that quite a bit before, uh, I'm going to leave that off my list uh, as a great honorable mention. So if we had a penalty box, Blake, that would be probably the first <laughs> film I'd have to throw into it. Right. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> that would be true. Yeah, I've heard so, about it too much. <laughs> so I'm not going to include Warrior, and I'm not going to include The Sopranos, which was something we got a lot on Twitter as far as James Gandolfino performances, right. but because we do a film podcast... I looked at just film, so I, I did not necessarily include The Sopranos. Well, crap. So, <laughs> not, not to say that anyone else couldn't. It's just my specific criteria, so <laughs> uh, that's what I'm looking at. So, Blake, what is your number three? Uh, number three for me, well, it, this, is, this list is a two out of three here, but number three for me uh, is going to be a Tom Hardy film, and for me, number three is going to be his performance in Lawless. Oh, very nice. Uh, yeah, I, I loved that film so much, especially the fact I liked that it too, yeah. I like the idea. One thing I like about Tom Hardy is a lot of the films he's gotten more notice for is that are more you know based on true story films, mm-hmm. you know, on, on, and on fact. And like the way he portrayed that role, I mean, he's obviously one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood. Sure. But we've seen him play other you know American characters before, but for him to play this you know West Virginia moonshiner. And as tough as he is and everything else, and really portrayed in that role, too, because that was a true story. Like, the scene in that film yeah. movie, I mean, he got shot in, how many times in the stomach and crawled and walked, you know, how many miles, actually, to a, a hospital was Crazy. The, the actual true story of it. But, he, yeah, it was just really, really, really well done. I loved that film. Almost yeah. everything about that film besides Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> See, I actually really like Shia LaBeouf. He wasn't LaBeouf that bad in it. I mean, I just, I generally, yeah. I have to put him in that, that general statement there. But yeah. um, but for that film, it wasn't really bad. I, I liked... I like Tom Hardy. I really liked Guy Pierce in that movie. Guy Pierce well. is great, yeah. Um, but we're talking Tom Hardy, and his performance was just stellar in that film. So I, that I number, agree. Number I, three for me is Lawless. I think he fit that area just oh, yeah. fantastically well in the way that he he played it. And a lot, I know that some people didn't really appreciate, you know, some of the, his dialogue or his accent necessarily. I, I thought it fit it perfectly. I thought he was I thought fantastic it worked. as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, for my number three, I'm going to a James Gandolfini film, and this is something our good friends at the True Bromance podcast, I'm sure, will appreciate. Uh, but I'm going to the film True Romance for yes, my number three. That's a good one. And I love James Gandolfini in here, and he isn't in the film a ton, 
But when he's there, he's oh, completely menacing. You, you know it when he's <laughs> <in> there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You absolutely feel his presence. And, you know, one of my favorite scenes, too, uh, before we get into the really big one, is when he's after our two main characters here, there's a scene where he shows up at this house or apartment and Brad Pitt's character is just <laughs> sitting there. And surely yeah. I thought something terrible was going to happen. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, I'm just waiting for it. I'm yep. just waiting for it. Like something terrible is going to happen there. And I think it was even better that like nothing happened. Yeah, I know. You know? I know. Because you're like, oh my God. But that's the brilliance of his mm-hmm. performance in that movie is he's so scary that he was so intimidating. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh, Brad Pitt, you better watch out. And But when nothing did happen, I think that's a, a great testament to how good it was. And, of course, you get into one of the film's most pivotal scenes with his torture scene of Alabama. And I was scared for her. I feel like I felt every blow with her. He was so violent and unrelenting, so completely believable. And I feel like his performance was crucial to the third act of that film, the way it plays out. And and the way that that scene ends with Alabama, too, was such a huge relief when it happened. You're like, oh, thank God I can breathe again. That was was torture for me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, talk about, you know, somebody who's in the film so little and talk about with with a film that has such a, you know, all-star cast pretty much. Yeah. And for him to carry that much weight in it for being on screen so little just speaks volumes. Absolutely. Completely agree. So true romance, my James Gandolfini performance is my number three. What do you got at number two? Uh, Number two for me is going to be Bronson. Very nice. uh, with with Tom Hardy here, and it's been yeah. a while since I saw it. And when I saw it, it was it was well before we ever started doing this whole thing here, and before I really knew anything about it, it just popped up on on my queue on Netflix one time, and I said, "What the hell? I'll watch it," and was blown away. He's incredible. It was so just literally, it was just amazing to me. I mean, I did not see any of that coming. I mean, talk about the fact the way he just. I can't get into even into it into great detail because it was just so so amazing. There's it's almost left me speechless, uh, to be perfectly honest. You know, aside from all the you know full frontal nudity in it, uh, but otherwise, but it, yeah. it made total sense of the story. Like this dude was just here to f people up. I he mean, was, and it was it was it was wild. It was just a great performance to be able yeah. to play that kind of a character. Sure. Um, once again, speaks volumes to to Tom Hardy and. Uh, can only, yeah. I mean, see where he's going to go in the future too, from stuff like that. Just shows how versatile he is as an actor. And oh yeah, we had a couple of tweets on on Twitter that where people were like, "Well, I'm not really too familiar with Tom Hardy, so I can't comment on my favorite performance of his outside of The Dark Knight Rises, which is probably what he's most known for now." But that's one that I recommended to everybody that oh, tweeted yeah. us and said, "Oh, I'm not familiar. Go watch Bronson. He's right. so terrific in that film. Absolutely." Uh, for my number two, I'm going to another Tom Hardy film. And one that's pretty recent, but one that I absolutely love if you've listened to our show. And I'm going to a film from earlier this year, Blake. I'm going to Locke right. and his performance as my number two. This is still my number one film of the year so far. And his performance is a huge reason. Uh, he's so naturalistic as Ivan Locke. And what I love about this film is he's this nice guy. He's a regular guy. He loves his family. But he made a pretty big mistake, as we all tend to do throughout our lives. But I think the big difference between Ivan Locke and most other people is that he's willing to own up to his mistake, and he's willing to deal with the consequences, whatever they may be, which is very affable. And I think it's a precedent uh, a lot of us should follow. And I feel like a lot of the time in film, and even in real life to a degree, I just don't feel like we see people willing to humble themselves to that degree knowing that there's going to be these huge consequences, he just goes for it. And he tries to deal with it the best he can. And he's very grounded. He's very solid. He's very strong. And the way that he deals with both sides of the situation going on in that film, 
uh, what to me just spoke huge volumes. And the way that Hardy played it was just amazing to me. And and there's other sequences going on in the film relating back to his father that I completely bought into for reasons I won't go to here. But uh, I just think the way that Hardy is able to portray that specific character and what he's going through to me, I think is just one of the most important films I've seen this year and, and probably in quite some time. I just feel like it was very authentic and I just really appreciated what he was doing. It's very good stuff. Yeah. And I still desperately need to see that. I have not had a chance to yet, but well, I've heard good nothing, news for but... you. I own it on Blu-ray. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you will now have it after this podcast. All right. Good deal there. All right. What do you got? Number one. Well, number one, I mean, I, I kind of gave the spoiler away a little bit ago, even though that you canceled it out of your ruling there. I can't say anything but Sopranos. What? The what? Wire. It's fucking Jimmy. What are you talking about? The Wire. You understand the Wire? It's fucking Jimmy. No fingerprint technique. I should have killed him right in my fucking basement. McCasey's guy got his facts crossed. They both got busted at the same fucking time. Jimmy and Pussy. You understand? Too fat with black hair. Where the fuck is Paulie? Uh, he called an hour ago. I swear to God, he said he's on his way. Where the fuck is he here now? I came into watching that show years after it had actually been off TV, and I sure. had borrowed the DVD sets from a coworker. And it was one of those, like, it was kind of the way, you know, if, you, if a show just grabs you off the pilot the way that that show did. And I wasn't really big into, you know, like you know, the mob movies and mob stuff like that as much, but my God. You know, that was just one of the most, and of course, it's kind of unfair, too, because it was over so long a period of time. And I know this sure. is a movie podcast, but I don't care, obviously. Uh, <laughs> sure. It was it was just absolutely amazing. And, I, you know, I, I, there, I rarely get into, you know, TV series and watch them all the way through, but I binge-watched everything that I watched, like, the entire series in sure. like, three weeks. Nice. And, you know, and it was just, just absolutely amazing, you know, that when you look at all the different angles and, and aspects that go through that character, you know, whether it's, you know, which family that you're talking about there. There's so many different things that are yeah. hitting them. Uh, just just amazing. And it's, it's sad, you know, to think about that with the fact that we've you know, lost that actor as well, that we can sure. see so much more out of along those lines. That's why roles like what he did here in, uh, in The Drop and, and other things just they seem so natural. And then, you know, that's uh, just absolutely an easy, far away, you know, number one almost, you know, role of all time, you know, for me. So Very interesting. I honestly, I haven't seen that show a ton, uh, but – it's got this really big prestige factor about it. Right. And I know that it's one of the things that when you mention James Gandolfini, it's easily the first thing that comes to people is, right. you know, Tony Soprano. So uh, it's not surprising that that's your number one. And like I said, it was a lot of people uh, mentioned that on Twitter when mm -hmm. I threw out the question. So uh, it was just a specific criteria for me, but I can completely understand. I feel like that would probably be a lot of people's number ones if right. we did include it, if other people were on the show. So, uh, very good stuff. Uh, for my number one, I'm going to a film you already mentioned. I'm going with Tom Hardy and Bronson. Shut your f***ing mouth! No problem, John. Shut the f*** up, you cunt! Shut it! What? I've got a librarian up here! And he's in a lot of trouble! So I think you should send someone up to help him out, don't you? Sit down. Not there on a fucking car, you can't! 
what I love about this, for all the reasons you said, Tom Hardy is playing this character that is just incredibly intense. It's gripping. He's violent throughout a lot of this, which is really compelling to me. Uh, he's just really brooding and amped up, and he never loses that energy throughout the film, which is fantastic. And if you're not familiar with this film, he's playing this guy that was sentenced to prison for seven years, mm-hmm. but because of his behavior within the walls <laughs> of the prison, yep. he ended up serving 34 years, yeah. most of it in solitary confinement, mm-hmm. because this guy would grease himself up get fully naked and just have these <laughs> huge fights with the prison guards yeah. and he would just beat these people to a bloody pulp most mm-hmm. of the time and he is arguably one of the most famous prisoners of all time and you know one of my favorite scenes of the film was uh the prison kind of lets him start being in this art room yeah and he has this art instructor that he eventually takes hostage and <laughs> gets really creative <laughs> with yeah <laughs> Which I really, really, I, I thought that was really funny. I loved it. but And you knew as soon as they let him do that, you know, this is probably a bad idea. Like, oh, why yeah. would they let him do this? <laughs> but It's like, really, you guys knew what you were getting into. You signed up for this. <laughs> yeah. But he does this mostly for pure joy. Like, it's never really explained why he's right. this way. There's no backstory as, you know, maybe he had a, a, a bad childhood and he just kind of grew up that way. It's never Who really knows? explained no. other than you get, the, you get the sense that he probably just enjoys this. He just, yeah, he just loves beating the <laughs> hell out of people. He just, he loves like, it. All right. Uh, which is just crazy. And Hardy showcases that just masterfully. He is incredible. He really bulked up really nice for this. He's got the bald head in this film, and he, he's huge. And he just showcases that anger and rage that defines this character so well. And uh, as much as I love Tom Hardy and Warrior, and that film speaks incredible volumes to me, uh, this is arguably also his best performance he's yeah. ever given. It's so, so good. So, again, if you're not familiar with Tom Hardy, go see Bronson. I cannot recommend this film yeah. enough. So, uh, it's not for everyone, uh, but <laughs> I would say he's still really, really great. It's, yeah. it's entertaining for sure. Quite. All right. Well, did you have any other honorable mentions, Blake? Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of honorable mentions here. I mean, obviously, True Romance would have been on my Gandolfini list as well as uh, Last Castle. Uh, mm-hmm. It was really good. Yeah. It had more of a yeah. feature performance in that that was really good. But with Tom Hardy, I mean, almost everything that you've seen him in, um, and I'm going back to some of my some of my favorites like Layer Cake uh, and yeah. uh, Rock and Rolla. You know, uh, not big roles in those films there, but but really great performances nonetheless. Of course, Inception was Inception. his huge was his yeah, huge was break here in the, in the states. And then you know, a lot of people think you know he's he's best known for being in The Dark Knight Rises. And what I will say is. As for many things as I did not like about that movie, um, and even with the changes to the character he played in Bane, being kind of a you know a comic fanboy as uh, I'm known for being, sure, I think what for what he had with the way they scripted it, the way they wrote it, I thought he did really really well with it. I thought he was great. I too, thought yeah. he did a, he did a great performance in it um, for what it was, you know. And I have so many issues with that film; it's not going to be worth getting into right now. But uh, his overall performance, I still think was was really good in that. Um, and there's just a whole lot more to come still out of that kid. I mean, I, I, and I say kid, he's, you know, I don't think he's still probably younger than I am, but still. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, he's got some good projects coming he's out. He's got a lot of great stuff for, coming yeah. out. So I, I, I look forward to almost everything that he's in now. So, Yeah, I mean, I can only echo that sentiment. As far as James Gandolfini, I completely agree with you about the castle 
fantastic film there. Uh, and he was in a film last year called Enough Said. And I've heard right. even from some people that this is their favorite performance really? from him. And while it's not his stereotypical uh, character, mm-hmm. I would agree with a lot of people that as far as performances go, he is terrific. And it's definitely up there as far as James Gandolfini goes. Mm-hmm. I actually very, very much considered it for my top three. When I compare it, though, to his uh, performance and the way that his character and true romance just impacts that yeah. film, I, I couldn't quite put it above that for me. But uh, what he did in Enough Said was really, really great. Uh, as far as Tom Hardy goes, this is perhaps my favorite working actor right now. Uh, again, I can only echo Warrior. It's terrific. I agree with you about Lawless. He's really good there. Uh, I also agree with you about Layer Cake and Inception. He's really great there. And, of course, we just talked about his performance as Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. So, yeah, I mean, I I love pretty much everything this guy does. Uh, And even, you know, I'm not going to necessarily throw this in as an honorable mention, but he's definitely a highlight of the drop, as we talked about. Oh, yeah. Easily one of the best parts of that film. So, yeah, whenever you mention the word Tom Hardy in New Movie, I don't care what the film is about or what's going on. I'm sold. Yeah, so you're already I'm going to be there. So, And earlier this week, I don't know if this will end up playing out true or not, but earlier this week, he also said he's doing no more rom-coms. So, Thank uh, God. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, but he said if it was the right director and the right character and script, he'd probably think about it. So, And I don't blame him for that. And I, I, I love a great rom-com. I mean, About yeah. Time was my number 10. I've said that a lot of times. So. I mean, if it's the right story and the right character, sure, I'm on board. Sure. Well, I mean, so. I, I, he's not necessarily somebody who has to be in nothing but, you know, action movies and whatnot. But he's a great actor, at, at period. Yeah, exactly. Um, but exactly. He, uh, and he needs to still do a little bit of both of that there, which obviously he does movies like this as well as he's got, you know, Mad Max coming up and stuff like Child that. Child 44. Yeah. Splinter Cell, I think, is another project he's yep. in. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I think know. he can do a lot of stuff. I think if he wanted to do another rom-com or a small art film or whatever, he, he's got such a huge range. I think he can do a lot of different yeah, things. Yeah, but again, you, you usually those films, you don't have the best backing, and it's usually not the greatest writing and what have you. Um, sure. And I, think, I think he's good again, but it just it doesn't always work out because you have guys like Gerard Butler who tried to do that as well. Sure. Yeah. And we see what happened there. Yeah. Uh, not not good things if you ask me. But yeah. anyway, uh yeah, just do what you do, Tom Hardy. I'll 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 sign up. Me too. So that being said, let us know how your picks stack up against ours. Email us at incessionfilm at gmail.com or leave us a comment on our Facebook or Twitter or on our website at incessionfilm.com. All right, well, before we move on to the poll question, I did throw the question out there on Twitter as far as uh, what your responses were to your favorite Tom Hardy or James Gandolfini performances. Just want to read a few that we got back. Uh, We got a tweet from at Cakeless Roses who said, I like Tom Hardy and this means war. And I thought he was the only redeeming quality in The Dark Knight Rises. So perfectly right up your alley. I'll agree with that. (laughs) Anybody say anything about Star Trek Nemesis? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we also got a tweet from at Shana Ochoa, who said Tom Hardy and Warrior. So she's very much pandering to me. So thank you for that tweet. Shana. Oh, you people need to uh, stop pandering it. to JD. <laughs> love it. Uh, we also got a tweet from at Movie Madness Pod, who said I really liked Tom Hardy and Lawless. He was pretty much unrecognizable compared to previous roles, but still just as powerful. Uh, and as we talked about, we loved Lawless, so mm-hmm. great choice there. Uh, we also got a tweet from at Organic underscore Shadow who said, as for James Gandolfini, The Sopranos, otherwise he's been consistently good. And he also said for Tom Hardy, haven't really seen much, but he would say Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. 
Um, we also got uh, a tweet from at War Machine Horse, good friends of ours, who said, can't deny the soprano role, but love the, quote, I don't know what happened scene from a civil action. Always stuck with me, he went on to say. So uh, thanks, everyone, for those responses. We really, really do appreciate it. Just one poll. Those things aren't scientific. Yes, they are. All this is is science. This is math. Well, for our poll question this week, I simply threw out there, kind of going off of our top three, what's your favorite Tom Hardy role? And the answers I threw out there was Tommy Conlon from Warrior, Bronson from, or Charles Bronson from the movie Bronson, Eames from Inception, Ricky Tarr from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, Ivan Locke from Locke, and I gave in write-in options as well. And taking this home... Easily, with 40% of the vote, was my boy, Tommy Conlon from the movie Warrior. <laughs> the pandering <laughs> I love never, it. never stops. <laughs> so, in, in all seriousness, though, I'm that character was, was amazing. No, it's, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah, it's so good. I know that we've talked about it a lot, and you know we're kind of joking about it now, but... Tommy Conlon in that movie is so incredible, and and what he does with Joel Edgerton's character is right. just through the roof, incredible. So, uh, and in second place with twenty percent of the vote was Bronson, uh, and not far behind was actually uh, Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, and Ivan Locke was also kind of right there, so it was kind of close. So, uh, anyway, thanks everyone for voting, and especially for those that voted for Tommy Conlon, really right. appreciate it. Wow. <laughs> All right, well, coming up next, we're going to discuss some of the latest out of the Toronto International Film Festival, as well as some of the films that I'm looking forward to this fall, so pander to me this time around. <laughs> Stay tuned, we will be right back. You're listening to the Incession Film Podcast. This is episode 82. And what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about some of the latest happenings that uh, went on at the Toronto International Film Festival over the last week or so. And in conjunction with that, we're also going to give a platform here for Blake to talk about some of the films he's looking forward to this fall since he wasn't here a few weeks ago when we did that. So uh, one thing I want to talk about first, Blake, is the audience award winner that came out of the Toronto International Film Festival, mm -hmm. and that is The Imitation Game, starring The Batch himself, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, here we go. You're going <laughs> to be calling him The Batch now, too? Hey, I love him. What are you well, going to do? <laughs> I didn't know that you were... Oh. Uh, only a 14-year-old fangirl right now, suddenly. <laughs> uh, for those that aren't familiar with this film, though, mm, is... That would be me. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, or The Batch, he plays this <laughs> English mathematician, and he helps crack the Enigma code during World War II. Uh, so the premise sounds pretty interesting, but what do you think about this, Blake? 
Well, despite the batch, <laughs> I just I can't get over that. I'm sorry. Uh, so sorry. The the premise itself intrigues me. I, I like you know some of these different. Uh, I don't know what I'm looking for here. These these offshoot sort of uh, behind the scenes World War II stories. Yeah, I like a sure. lot. Um, although the last time we saw that with uh, you know the Monuments Man, it didn't turn out so great. So not really sure where to go from that. But it does have a good cast. I, I like. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Batch. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't dislike him at all. Sure. Uh, I like Keira Knightley, Mark Strong as well. Um, so it definitely has some good you know players involved here. So I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for it and see what's up. And, and it's getting a, good, a lot of a lot of good press now as well, which is something that the Monuments Men never did. Um, you know, sure. we're talking about this this period piece anyway. Is why I keep bringing that up, um, that that era. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely gonna be interested by the time you know comes out. I'm not sure. sure if there's any trailers yet or not. I haven't seen anything, but I'll be on the lookout. Yeah, well, I think first I'll say I'm a much bigger fan of the batch uh, <laughs> than you are. Obviously, like, uh, I agree with you though. Karen Knightley, Matthew Good, Mark Strong, the cast is really really great here. Uh, the one thing that keeps me out of an arm's length, and this is just straight my ignorance, is because I don't know much about the director, Morton Tildum. I'll have to do more research into that. If anyone else is familiar with them, let me know. Uh, I'm not hugely familiar, but like you said, there's a lot of great uh, press about this right now, a lot of people buzzing about this film. and So it's one that I'm really intrigued by, and the Audience Award winners at TIFF, uh, have, has usually, uh, historically anyway, done pretty well at the Oscars as well. So right. uh, that is also one thing that is pretty intriguing about that as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you put Benedict Cumberbatch in a film, much like Tom Hardy, I'm there. So I look forward to that one. Another one that's coming out uh, later this fall, too, and this isn't one that we talked about a couple weeks ago when we discussed our top three 2014 fall films, uh, but John Stewart from The Daily Show has a new movie. This is his directorial debut in a film called Rosewater, and for those that aren't familiar with this, uh, one of the correspondents from The Daily Show, uh, Jason Jones, went to Iran, did this piece about being an American spy, which was all satire, it was all comedy, right. but amidst that, he interviewed this Canadian journalist, which he was arrested for, for you know basically being with these quote-unquote American spies, yep. and he was tortured oh. by the Iranian government for something like 120 days or something like that. And when he got out, he wrote a book about it, which then John Stewart got a hold of, and he did this movie of. And and while we've never seen a, a film from John Stewart, I, I like his show a lot. I think uh, the way he pieces that together is really smart. And obviously, that's a very different medium than this film, but yeah. I think the guy's really intelligent. He's a really smart guy, and the early reviews of this have been terrific so far. So I'm pretty intrigued by this. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely agree with that. There, I mean, I've read some of his things he's written. You know, has to do you know with other things besides with with what the show that they do, which I think that just shows you how smart a guy he is to write that kind of you know smart satire because that's one of the hardest things to do and do well. Um, but he's definitely very smart, and I think that uh, he's been a good writer from what I've experienced thus far here in this this kind of story, especially that kind of hits close to home. I, I think it's going to be very well done. I I I look forward to it. I don't know how he is as a director. We'll but, see. Uh, yeah. but we'll we'll find out about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, moving on, another one I wanted to ask you about, and this is one that we did talk quite a bit about a couple weeks ago, is Foxcatcher, mm-hmm. the Bennett Miller film starring Steve Carell and Channing Tatum. Uh, a lot of people saying this is Carell's best performance of his career. Uh, and Tatum and Mark Ruffalo are also great in it, is what a lot of people are saying. But what do you think about this one, Blake? 
Yeah, I, I'll tend to agree with that. From what I've seen so far, a couple of trailers and clips that I've watched so far is really, uh, really amazing. I mean, you, you don't for some of the actors that are involved here that you don't expect that kind of a serious work out of, and people that, that have done some serious stuff before, but this looks to be above and beyond uh, any of that. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Yeah, I can only echo that sentiment. As we talked about on uh, on that show, you'll know that I'm really anticipating that film as well. I think moving on, one film that I wanted to bring to your attention too, Blake, is a film that actually debuted at Sundance but also played at TIFF as well, and that is Whiplash with Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons. And I've heard really great things about this, and people are saying that J.K. Simmons, this could be a, an Oscar contender kind of performance. Wow. Uh, which is pretty incredible. Um, and essentially, if you're not familiar with this, uh, Miles Teller is this young musician who is trying to make it as a top jazz drummer, and J.K. Simmons is basically his instructor, and he's very cruel, very mean, and very intense, and it's kind of their journey of of getting there. So hmm. uh, what do you think about this one, Blake? Well, I, I definitely do enjoy J.K. Simmons. I just you don't often hear about him being talked about with with Oscar performances. The thing um, that's the thing. He's so solid though, yeah, and everything he does, I can, he just I can never see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think given the right opportunity, yeah, I can totally see that being possible. Um, yeah, I will definitely definitely see that. Um, I, I have not heard anything about it just yet here, so I'll have to look that up yeah. and get a little more familiar. But I'm definitely interested in that. Okay, well. Let's kind of look outside of TIFF a little bit. I just want to get your kind of general thoughts. What are what are some of your favorite films you're looking forward to this fall, man? Well, there's a few uh, bigger budget ones that were you know that are that are coming out that I'm you know familiar with when we talk about things like Fury coming out with you know a World War II film with Brad Pitt looks really yeah. really good. Yeah, we've been hearing about Gone Girl for quite some time here. I've, I've actually been a big fan of Ben Affleck as a director, um, and you know when they finally started showing some trailers and previews for this here, I was really even more interested. Uh, I think that yeah, was going to be phenomenal uh, in that. Couple of other ones that are a little bit lesser known here. Um, I'm actually looking forward to. Uh, there's a film coming out with Daniel Radcliffe called Horns. Yeah, uh, that just is a very interesting story. I don't know what to make of it just yet, but it's definitely sure. got me my interest peaked. What, uh, what? What? So let me interject mm-hmm. here a little bit. So yeah. this is another one that we didn't talk about a ton a few mm-hmm. weeks ago on the show. Anything specific about that film that jumps out to you? Well, I mean, it's it seems to be an interesting concept. Of the way I don't I don't really know what to make of it just yet. I mean, you got sure. obviously a film. You know, there's a young couple. Something happens. The the girl involved there is killed somehow, and it seems to be this town is blaming it on the boy character, which is Daniel Radcliffe. Sure, and he starts to actually physically manifest horns. <laughs> yeah. Whether it has to do with him actually being you know, an evil character in the film or what, I, I don't really can't make out just yet. But it's the concept alone, and just some of that stuff has got me sure. intrigued just to find out. So uh, I think it's I like the fact that they're not you know letting the whole cat out. It of the is bag intriguing. Yet. I agree. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like that. It, it, I don't know. It doesn't scream like it's going to be a cheesy you know rom romantic movie there, one of those kind of things. I don't know. There's just something about it that, that screams to me that I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. No, yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm probably not as hyped up for this one as you, but that premise is intriguing. And I, yeah. I do like uh, Daniel Rockcliffe, right. Juno Temple in this film as well. And I mean, I, I, I don't know. Something about it doesn't necessarily 100% grab my attention, mm-hmm. but that mystery element there I think is kind of fascinating. So right. we'll see. Uh, kind of sort of along those lines, I think another one you mentioned that you're looking forward to is Tusk, yeah. which did come out <laughs> uh-huh. of 
the Toronto International Film Festival, and it's kind of funny. So one of the first things I read in preparation for, mm-hmm, for right. the show was I was reading a tweet that where someone said, uh, this was their initial response was, Tusk is f- up. Yeah. <laughs> that was his initial response. Yeah. And then Matt Oaks from Civil Screen Riot, he texted me on uh-huh. Friday night after he went and saw the screening of it, and that was pretty much his exact same response as, oh, my God. Which is kind of what I'm expecting out of it. Yeah. It's kind of what I want to see. I mean, like, I love Kevin Smith, and he hasn't done yeah. a whole lot in a while here, but I and I, I like Justin Long. I just think that the, the concept of it, that it's – is this really what I'm going to see here? Is this what what's what what's going on here? But I've heard that it's just like the most WTF. It feels film. very much like human centipede kind yeah, of Yeah, almost. But I think that, you know, Kevin Smith is involved in this, so I can't see it being that gross. No, no, yeah. But yeah, I <laughs> And it'll be funnier. I sure. has, there has to be comedy. a lot of good comedy yeah. involved there as well. I don't um, we saw, die in Canada. Yeah, exactly. We saw part of that in the trailer. It's like it's a boot fifty miles that way. It's like a, a boot. <laughs> yeah. So we got to make fun of the Canadians while we're at it here. Um, <laughs> sure. So yeah, I mean, some of just the way that the trailer was was just wild too, and I, I just think it's going to be awesome. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I may totally hate it after we get there, but I definitely want to see it. And one way or another, Kevin Smith's going to get my money. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll find out, but I'm sure. definitely interested in that because it's just kind of it's offbeat. Yeah, and Justin Long's character mm-hmm. is a podcaster, yeah. so I am no longer going to Canada to get an interview ever. There you go. <laughs> well, well, I thought you would anyway, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't. Exactly. <laughs> and going, he's also trying to resurrect Haley Joel Osment's career. So. <laughs> there you go. So. All right, what else you got on your list? Then? Uh, those were the bigger ones here. If we want to talk about like more getting closer to winter and in December, we've got uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings. Uh, and I really am looking forward to this. Interesting. Um, I was for a little while there, and then you know the, the trailers I thought were kind of interesting with that. But I, I don't. I like that kind of an epic film there, and I, I like Christian Bale a lot. So I'm. I mean, it's Ridley Scott as well, I believe. So I've got nothing to tell me that I don't want to see it yet. Um, I may hear opposite of that later on. I uh, hope sure. not. Well, I am in the opposite camp of you when it comes to this film. Really? I, I, I do like Ridley Scott overall, but as of recently, he's kind of on my shit list. Well, And I think the casting of this film could be the worst. Uh, and I like Christian Bale. I yeah. love Joel Edgerton, mm-hmm. but they look so miscast in these roles. The trailer felt so awkward to me. It just it just didn't look appealing to me at all. Hmm. Yeah, I can see Joel Edgerton doesn't look necessarily right there. I don't think Christian Bale looks necessarily totally wrong to me in this role. Um, sure. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought that same way, I guess, about when Noah came out. I felt a little bit about that, but it's it doesn't quite feel the same to me. I, th- I think I'm going to give it a shot. Well, we'll definitely discuss it. We'll definitely well, go yeah. see it. But yeah, as far as my excitement level goes, I'm not as high as you, but... Mm. Uh, you got anything else? What about the Hunger Games? You looking forward to that? I personally couldn't care at all anymore about the Hunger Games. I mean, I didn't. I watched the first one. I was kind of like, really? Meh. I didn't watch the second one. <laughs> I'm hugely I'm not, excited for that one. Well, you would be. You also <laughs> are calling Benedict Cumberbatch the Batch. So <laughs> that's what he goes by, right? Well, no, <laughs> probably not. No, I don't think all right, so. But Benedict, no, I, if you're listening, I apologize sincerely. Yeah, because he listens to this. <laughs> um. No, I'm not really interested in it at all. 
Interesting. Like, I mean, if I, you know, I might have to watch it on a date or something, but I'm not really that interested in seeing it. I'm not like you know waiting to see anything like that. I could care yeah. less, honestly. Or I could care more, honestly. Like, uh, I can't even talk right now because I just don't. Well, care let's before numb. before we move on, let's talk about one that I am hugely excited for that you mentioned briefly. Let's. And that is Fury. Yes. So this was my number two on my top three mm-hmm. from a few weeks ago. Uh, they just came out with a second trailer, which I haven't watched, and I don't know if I want to because that first trailer was one of my favorite trailers of probably the last five years. Really? I loved, love this trailer. I think it looks fantastic. The cinematography looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Say what you want about Shia LaBeouf, but he looks phenomenal in this movie. I think the entire cast looks fantastic. And right. Uh, the dialogue, the setting, it just looks like it's going to be a lot of epic fun for me. Well, I agree. And the last time I saw Brad Pitt in World War II, he got him a lot of scalps. <laughs> he did. And Probably okay a little bit that. different story here. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. But again, you know, I, I love those period pieces. I love you know the World War II movies and all that. So I think it looks really, really, really good. Yeah, and they got real tanks. I don't know if you know that. But I they did got, not know that. They got real tanks from like various museums and stuff to wow. kind of shoot the film, which was That's pretty interesting. More interesting. So. Yeah. Well, I got to ask you about this. So I know that you're mostly a fan of Christopher Nolan. So what do you think about Interstellar? I have not made up my mind yet. Interesting. I, I don't know. And I think part of it here. Okay. Here's if, if I've got to speculate a little bit is that it seems like with the trailers, what we've seen so far is honestly going to be about a third to a half of the movie. Hmm. It's from, it's, I think it looks to me like that's actually pretty much all just no, like no, from I, the first half of the I film. actually agree with that, yeah. That I think that there is going to be a whole lot more with that. Because obviously, but it's not spoiler talk. Obviously, it's about funding, you know, somewhere you know, in interstellar, interstellar travel to, you know, recolonate, you know, because the Earth is dying at that point in that film. But I think that we're going to have a whole lot of that movie. I don't think it's going to be just like the last few minutes of it, of exposition. I think that's going to be a lot involved with some other planet or something like that. And then that's going to play into, you know, back with Earth and things. Yeah. I think that's, that's me. That's why I'm speculating on it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think know, we've seen a lot of that film And yet. I don't know how to feel about it, though, because I, I want it to be that way. I don't want it to be Contact Part 2. Sure. You know, I, it's what I kind of worry about with that. Now, again, I have mostly have faith in Christopher Nolan for the most part. Um, and mostly with with Matthew McConaughey lately. Sure. Um, so, I think that being said, I think we're going to be okay with it. But I still, I want. I'm not quite an arm's length. I'm like you know, shoulder distance maybe. But I don't, I don't want to get too close to it because I'm afraid that it's a film that I'm going to fall in love with beforehand and then be let down. Sure. And I don't want that to happen. Well, I, I can I can see your point. For me, when you put Matthew McConaughey, who's been on fire, and Jessica right. Chastain, really a lot of that cast, yeah. with Christopher Nolan, who I really like, Hans Zimmer doing the score, for me, the recipe, I can only anticipate it more, and it feels like it's it's coming together really good. Like it, I feel oh, like yeah. it's going to taste amazing. So, I mean, we'll see, though. I completely agree with you, though. I don't feel like we've seen a ton of that film, which mm-hmm. I've loved about the trailer so which far. Which I'm not complaining about. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But I'm just, part of me is just kind of worried to a little bit. I don't know. Interesting. Well, let me ask you about Paul Thomas Anderson and Inherent Vice. Are you a big PTA fan? I'm kind of indifferent, really. You know, that's not really on my huge list of things right now. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out, obviously, but I don't really know a whole lot about it at this point. So I'm not going to try to say too much and get ahead <laughs> I don't of myself. Think a lot of people know a whole lot about yeah, that. Film so. Yet. 
Oh. Yeah, so I, I don't want to speak too much. Interesting. That was a big one we talked about a few weeks ago on that show. Uh, okay, well, just a couple more before we move on then. Sure. Uh, Dumb and Dumber 2. I know you're a big fan of the first <laughs> of course, one. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely cannot wait to see that because I can't imagine it being bad at this point. I honestly can't. I mean, sure. I, I think that it may, may, some people are going to say, you know, well, whatever's a letdown. I'm like, dude, it's been 20 years. Sure. I just want to see more. I want to see the old Jim Carrey is what I want to see. I miss, I want to see some old stupid slapstick Jim Carrey, and I think that's exactly <laughs> what we're going to get. Well, let's hope so. The trailers for me are, it's very hit or miss, but, uh, and maybe it's just me, my nostalgia. I love mm. the first one. I haven't rewatched it in a long time, so I'm hoping that it would mm. hold up well, but we'll see. The trailer so far is... Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But it could just be my perception because it's well, yeah. how, how many years later? 15 years later? Yeah, literally now? 20 years. 20 years. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, anyway, uh, let us know your thoughts about this. Let us know if you agree or disagree with anything that we're talking about. Let us know what you think about Blake's list as far as the fall films. Look forward to hearing that. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or just email us in sessionfilm at gmail.com. All right, Blake. Let's finish out the show with films we got to see over the last week. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey guys, just want to pause for a quick second to say a quick thank you to those that are supporting the show. If you want to help support us, there's a couple ways you can do that. If you just go to our website at incessionfilm.com and just click on our bonus content tab, you will be able to listen to everything we have there for just a small donation of 99 cents. Uh, They are free to listen to, but we do encourage and appreciate that small donation. It definitely goes a long way and we certainly do appreciate it. You can also donate per show at patreon.com. If you sign up a dollar per show, $2 per show, whatever it is you want to do, uh, there are some free gifts that come along with that. Maybe you want an in-session film t-shirt. We don't sell those, but we'll do it if you sign up to donate per show. And again, all those details are at patreon.com, or you can just go to insessionfilm.com slash donate, and there's all the information there you need to be able to sign up for that. And as mentioned up at the top of the show, we are sponsored by Audible.com. If you just go to audibletrial.com slash film, you'll get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial there just for signing up. They have a bunch of great stuff. Uh, I don't get a ton of time to read, but audiobooks is the way that I go, and they have a bunch of great stuff there that you'll love. So, again, just go to audibletrial.com slash film, and everything there goes directly back into supporting the show. So we really do appreciate everyone's support.
Hi, this is Greg. This is Chuck. And this is Dan. And we are Talking in Circles. Because the world needs another podcast, we are here as GeekCast Radio's newest edition. And as the title says, each week we get lost in conversation about a wide range of topics, including movies, comics, games, art, TV, and even occasionally sports. We play games and discuss pivotal topics like who would win in a fight, the Kool-Aid Man or Tony the Tiger, and examine the hot-button issues of the world of geekdom. We keep things fresh by taking timeless topics in new directions. We are simply three friends having a fun time talking about life's most fascinating foibles. Stay connected with us every Tuesday on iTunes or at geekcastradio.com. You're listening to the Incession Film Podcast. This is episode 82. Blake, let's talk about some of the interesting and awesome films we got to see over the last week. What'd you get to see? Or I guess you can really talk about the last couple weeks if you want. Oh, I have. Oh, this is going to be like the regular show here. I have had not not any time to watch <laughs> anything except for one. I watched. There's one thing besides the film reviewing that I got to watch in this past period. I'm glad I just now remembered it. Because we, we've discussed it before on here, but I never really could because I hadn't seen it yet. But I did have the time that I watched uh, Enemy last oh, week. Oh, nice. Um, and while I really like that film, and I, I under, it took me a little bit of time to really wrap my head around it, understand sure, you know, more yeah. about what it was and kind of sort of put my own thoughts into perspective on it and what, what the film really was about. And it makes perfect sense when you really think about a lot of the things going on. I mean, to me, it's you know about one person and split personalities and things like that is what I really took sure. away from it. But one thing that I don't understand that it has to do with it in here, and uh, one that I did not like about it, because you know that uh, I'm pretty much a little girl uh, and borderline <laughs> arachnophobic. So that last scene was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, like okay, in the o- like the opening credits was the one th- scene that I just I was like, oh, oh god, really? And, you know, they opened up the tray or whatever there in the club, and, and yeah. it was like, oh god, I don't need that. I don't need this like giant hand sized sure. monster. And then, you know, it makes sense throughout the rest of it. And he's connecting the dots between the two sides here, and that was one place, and it goes back and forth. I get that, and I understand what the symbolism symbolism was in that last scene, but why? Because it was awesome. No. <laughs> I did not need that. I, I did not sleep that night. I was like, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, it was, it was just like that was as bad as one time. And I was, I had a girlfriend who wanted to go see, it was, I think, the second Lord of the Rings film. Oh, uh, no, it wasn't that one. It was uh, one of the first Harry Potter films, whichever one it was that had like all the spiders in it. Yeah. And she knew very well ahead of time. Yeah. And it still took me in there to see that. And I was like crying like a little girl, like, nope, not yeah. doing it. Nope. So, you know, when that last scene, I thought I thought by the time that one scene in the beginning was over with, I was like, I was done with this. No more problems. I'm fine. We'll get rid of that junk here. And then that and then was. That. So um overall, I really liked it. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, like I really enjoyed that the performances were great. Jake Gyllenhaal is an actor who has grown a whole lot over the past few years, I feel. Sure. And when he played the two different characters and played them so very differently. And like, you can even see his stature was different when he was playing the one character, you know, and it just, it it was surprising to me to see it that well done. Um, that was practically a one man show. Uh, but aside from that last scene, which I I didn't know anything about except for not even from talking to you about it, but when I would, when I rented it online, it said, you know, to the last, you know, unnerving image. I'm like, well, that's going to be weird. But it's like him in a double and something like that. It's just, it's weird. And then there was that. Yeah, sure. 
It's, and I literally had to sit yeah. there for a minute like, uh, what? Why did I just see that? What? Oh, I don't know. I don't like that. I know. It's, it's crazy because you literally see the see it happen. Mm-hmm. It quickly changes to Jake Gyllenhaal's face, yeah. and his face is very much, what the... And yeah, then but, it cuts, but and that's the end. <laughs> well, see, but, but more I love it. It's, to me, what more of a you know what the f face that he was making? It seemed like he was kind of like nodding, like he got it at that point. Yeah, like he understood. Oh, there is that's what's wrong with that, me. Yeah, you know, like he understood. That's where what it made sense. What it was, why he connected the dots of the two places there. You know, living this double life. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I really liked it, except for that. You know, and that's not a big. I mean, that's one. What do you think about the giant one walking throughout the city? Now, see, I didn't seem to think that it looked like that to me. I thought it looked like, I, maybe it was just the screen that I was watching on. I didn't see that. I thought it looked like just something like a, something on the glass is what I thought it was. But again, my eyes have been mess, kind of messed up lately, so maybe I just didn't see it right. Um, I could be very wrong about that. So either way, there's a lot of spiders. There's a lot of spiders, <laughs> and it's not good. I mean, I get some of the some of the things like you know they had like the. Uh, the cable car lines and that kind of stuff was meant to kind of look like a big web, and there was, you know, the uh, the way the glass broke on the car yeah. and things like yeah. that um, was all meant to go, you know, in that way. Um, but I don't, I don't understand why spiders. I don't otherwise. Well, I, I think it does come through a lot of like you're saying, like connecting the dots sort of thing. For me personally, I think the a lot of the spiders kind of resembled feminism in the movie because for me the film talked a lot about masculinity i mean you kind of touched on him living these two double lives and him wanting to cheat on his wife and how that plays into it and how that just kind of plays into our masculinity in general uh and our pursuit of women and and kind of the fantasies and visuals we have with that and i think the uh, the the spiders to me just kind of resembled that part of our lives and 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 even the females in in the film a little bit as well. So I don't know. I've I've never connected spiders and feminism, but then again, I'm the arachnophobic one. So well, mostly I do because, like women. Mostly <laughs> because spiders. in the animal world, it's it's mm. a female dominated society. So mm. I think it had it was kind of twofold for me. It, it was that and as uh, as well as the webs kind of connecting all of the pieces. Sure. So. I really like it as well. I think it's a really intriguing film. For the longest time, it was in my top five of the year. Mm. I really enjoyed that film a lot. Jake Gyllenhaal, I can only echo your sentiment. He's terrific. And the way that he plays both sides is very drastic. It's very different. You can Even when they're in the same room together, you can tell them apart. And I thought he was phenomenal. Very good stuff. That's all you got to see. That's the only thing that I can remember that I saw in the past uh, week other than uh, um, the drop. So, yeah. Very nice. Uh, well, this was actually pretty much a quiet week for me as well, believe it or not. <laughs> so, uh, really just a few for me here to talk about. Uh, I got to see a documentary called Dinosaur 13, and this isn't a story that I was hugely familiar with, but apparently it's a, a pretty popular story. And uh, essentially it's about the discovery of the largest uh, T-Rex fossils ever found. And apparently this happened in the mid or the early 90s, I believe, is when it was hmm. discovered. And the uh, the people that discovered it, uh, they ended up paying like five grand kind of on a handshake, not necessarily through a written contract, which ends up playing dividends later. But once they found it, they started to preserve it for a while. They were doing all of the right things. And then essentially what happened is the government came in and said, you, you stole that, those bones from 
government property. And so it was this huge court case over who owns the rights to these fossils. Is it the people that found it? Is it the government? Is it the the Indians? Because it was sort of on Indian land as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there was a lot of controversy surrounding that. And and the film kind of plays into that. It's actually, I guess, a pretty popular thing, but I was unfamiliar with it. But uh, I thought the film was actually very thrilling. It was very intriguing, uh, but it is very slanted. It's it's very much, uh, hey, we discovered this cool thing and then we got screwed, and here's yeah. why. And so it very much is is that perspective. They're they're basically trying to make their case as to why they felt the way that they did, which is fine. I was okay with it. They didn't really present a ton of facts from the other side, but there were still some there. Uh, but they could have gone into that a little bit more. Uh, but I, I do think it's it's very emotional and it, it hinges on the reaction of the central players, which is very easy to grab onto. So uh, I do think you have to kind of approach it a little carefully, though, because you're not getting two sides here. It's very much one sided, but it's a very intriguing story regardless. Right. I think it's really, really interesting. So um, and that dinosaur is actually in Chicago. So if you want to go see it, uh, it's at the Field Museum in Chicago. So hmm. There you go. That's interesting. Yeah, very gripping documentary, I thought. And then I also got to watch a movie called Startup, which we discussed on this week's extra film, so we'll not go into it a ton here. Uh, but this is one I really, really like. You know, it's funny, Blake, we were talking about Bronson earlier and mm-hmm. how Tom Hardy plays this prison inmate who is a little boisterous, over-the-top kind of thing. <laughs> well, in this movie, Jack O'Connell is another British actor kind of doing a lot of the same thing in here. Uh, In fact, there's a little bit of a nod to Bronson a little bit in the sense that before one of uh, the fight scenes with the guards, he like oils himself all (laughs) up. He doesn't get completely naked, but uh, it it kind of, he channels his inner Bronson uh, (laughs) a little bit in this film, which I thought is great. And, you know, and even Dom Hemingway earlier from earlier this year Mm -hmm. over Jude Law uh, played this character. And there's a really great prison sequence at the beginning of that film too. So there's something about those kinds of films that I'm really drawn to or really like but uh, i'll say start up it's one of the most intriguing father-son relationship tales you'll see like in this environment and out of context that may sound a little bizarre but uh, as we discuss on the extra film it's actually really really solid but uh that's one that i would highly recommend uh, go and check that one out it's not for everyone though. It is it is dark film and it's very serious in a lot of ways. But I think they do a really good job of interjecting hope into certain sections of the film that I really appreciated, especially the way they did it. It was never too much. It was very natural and authentic. I think. Uh, and then I also got to rewatch True Romance in preparation for this for this Classic. show. Um, it was coming down between enough said for me as far as my James Gandolfini performance in True Romance. And and Enough Said is something I saw last year, so it was still pretty fresh in my mind, but I hadn't seen True Romance in quite a long time. So I wanted to give that one a go to kind of decipher which performance I wanted to do. And as we kind of discussed in our top three, uh, James Gandolfini was phenomenal in that film. And and the film in general is just, it's really great for me. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good stuff. So... Uh, and then, of course, we 
I got to watch The Drop, as we discussed earlier on the show. Uh, and the last film I got to see is an animated film that I had only seen bits and pieces of, but I'd never seen the entire thing until until earlier today, and that is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> okay. I had never seen it, but my wife is like, oh, I want to watch this. And so she turned it on, and I was like, well, I've actually never really seen this all the way through, so we watched that today. So now I can say I've seen it all the way through. It's okay, not one of my favorite animated films. You, you watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame on NFL Sunday. Yes. <laughs> well, it was before the game started. Okay, so. I'm just just making sure. Yeah. So we had plenty sure of time. Had that right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had uh, plenty of time to get it out before the game started. All right. Fair so, enough. But that is it's it's an okay film. For animated film, it's all right. So <laughs> But surprisingly enough, Blake, that is all I got to see this week. What? So. <laughs> I know, right. Instead of the usual Kinda nine or ten. Yeah, yeah, it's usually <laughs> Usually, we'll have to wake me up halfway through. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, that should do it for this week's show. Uh, be sure to go and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash film. You can also hit us up on Twitter at film, and on Google Plus as well. Just search film. And as I've mentioned the last couple of weeks, our main podcast, our full-length shows are now up on YouTube as well as the other platforms you can subscribe to us uh, so you can also hit us up on youtube at youtube.com slash session film and also sign up for our monthly newsletter you can do that on facebook by clicking the newsletter tab or on our site at incessionfilm.com slash newsletter as always all of our reviews are up on the website as well as on letterboxd so check us out at letterboxd.com slash session film we do try to respond to every piece of email we get so email us at incessionfilm at gmail.com be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and on Stitcher. And while you're over on iTunes, please leave us a review. We love that publicity, that free marketing. We greatly appreciate that. Also, check out our Listen Now page on our website at incessionfilm.com slash listen dash now. And the Incession Film Podcast is supported by our super awesome listeners like you. Uh, once again, if you want to help us, just go to our website at incessionfilm.com and click on our bonus content tab in our main menu to hear our bonus content for just a small donation of 99 cents. Or you can just go to incessionfilm.com slash donate, and you'll see a bunch of other information there and how you can help us out. Uh, you can hear everything we do on our mobile app, and I would highly encourage this. You can get everything under one roof for just a one-time fee of $1.99, and you can find that app on the Amazon market for Android devices, the Windows 8 phone store for Windows devices, and the podcast box app for iOS devices. And you can see all the details and all the links at incessionfilm.com slash apps. And next week on the show, we're going to be discussing The Maze Runner, which looks kind of intriguing. What do you think about this one, Blake? Uh, excited for this one? I'm not really excited for because it, it just reminds me of another version of The Hunger Games is what I'm thinking. It kind of has that feeling. That's yeah. what it gives me. Um, so I'm kind I don't of know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to watch it, but <laughs> yeah, depends on I'm not really saying I'm super excited about it. Yeah, and we're going to discuss our top three mazes Blake would like to get out of. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> just kidding. I don't know what we're going to do. That's, oh, that's not bad. I mean... So. There's a couple of them. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I'm already thinking about the one in The Shining. So, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've already got one of my top three already down, so let's do that. There you go. <laughs> my work's almost done with. <laughs> so we'll figure that out as we go. But uh, I kind of do look forward to The Maze Runner, but we, we shall see. 
Um, before we get out of here, Blake, any final thoughts on anything before we leave? Hmm. Nothing really in particular, honestly. I think I've I think I've got most of the poison out so far this show. <laughs> All the poison? <laughs> I think most of it. Well, you know, you got to get it out of there. you got to vent a little bit here. There's not a whole lot left to talk about, I don't think, here. Um, not a whole lot of final thoughts left about about Locke here. Again, I'm not super excited about the Maze Runner, but we'll do it anyway. No, I think I'm good. Uh, well, I love you, Tom Hardy. If you're listening to this show, <laughs> please give me a call or email me. <laughs> Got a lot to talk to you about. Um, <laughs> it's getting more awkward and awkward. <laughs> well, uh, in all seriousness, though, I do love Tom Hardy. I think The Drop is a pretty intriguing film, uh, and I do love him as an actor. But yeah, I, I am looking forward to the fall, except for football. Blake, I'll say my Lions and my Wolverines have gotten me less interested in that, and I'm ready for that would basketball happen. season. <laughs> <laughs> then that would happen with both of those teams, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, my Bengals are 2-0. and Ohio State won yesterday, but it didn't really matter. They were really pathetic against Virginia Tech. So, I mean, it's only by the time I mean, by the time that, you know, our teams play each other, it's just not going to matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to matter at all. Yeah. So, oh, well. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to go see The Maze Runner next week. As far as our extra film this week, I think we're going to be discussing... The Two Faces of January and The Life of Crime, uh, which uh, I've heard some intriguing things about, but we shall see. But stay on the lookout for that as well. Uh, Anyway, thanks, Blake, for being here. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you guys next time on the Incession Film Podcast. (laughs) 